This morning, uh, before we get really rolling, uh, I want to have some time of clarification. For those of you who haven't been with us, we've been talking about Bear Valley Church and really what we believe that Christ is calling this particular church to. And there are three things that we've been praying about and that God has been working on us about. Um, and I, I feel like uh, the Apostle Paul, not that I'm like him writing scripture, but I relate to what he said in the book of Philippians when he was talking about his relationship with Christ and him looking at the past and then looking at the future. He described uh, what Christ had been calling him to and the way to think. And he says, not that I've already obtained this, not that I've already obtained this. And as I look at what Christ is calling us to, I want us to take on those words and realize where we are as we have not obtained these things. In fact, I, I think that one of the reasons that these three things have come up is because there's holes in our church. There's areas where we need to grow and to learn and to change and to change. And so as we look at these things, I really don't want us to see these as things we're good at, but rather things that Christ is calling us to. If you've been here uh, for a while, you know that uh, we've been talking about rescuing families and shepherding souls. And we really feel like that's what Christ wants us to do. Not that we have done that or even doing that presently uh, to what Christ wants us to do. And so I want to start out with that clarification that this will be a change moving forward. This will be something that Christ is doing in us and we'll be growing in this. The second thing I want to tell you about that uh, is this is about you. This is about you. Uh, this isn't that uh, myself as the pastor wants to do these three things or that we believe that the elder board should be doing these things. This is about you doing these things. It's not that we won't be a part, but that these are things that God is working in us as a church. And as you have a slice or a piece of the pie of Bear Valley Church, as you are part of us, you will be doing these things. And so I, I really want you to think personally as we come, even this morning, as we talk about our third option, our third emphasis. Last thing I want to tell you uh, is that today's Father's Day. If you didn't know that already, you haven't been paying attention and you're, you're already too late. You might as well just cut your losses and reload for next year or something. Uh, this is Father's Day. And I didn't, uh, I'll tell you, I'm not a real good planner. Many of you know that and bemoan the fact already as you think about me. But I'm not this great planner. And six months ago, uh, we didn't start thinking about what to preach on Father's Day. And I'm going to work all this out. And I know that we're going to have two weeks. And then we're going to have a celebration Sunday of kids. And then, bam, Father's Day. That's what we're going to preach on. And yet God has brought this together. And I really believe that when I think of fathers, when I think of the message that I need, it's this message this morning. I think about what it is, what we bring to the home, uh, how we set the pace or we change the direction in a way that's not good. That this is a message for fathers 
as well as for the rest of us. Let's pray and ask that God would pray once again and ask that God would bless our time. God, thank you for your word. We ask that you would uh, grant us tender hearts that we might receive it now, that we might not be defensive when you want to work in us, that we would find our hearts to be good soil, that you would be growing and changing and remaking us. God, let us not be proud to think that the way we are is good enough, that the way uh, that we continue to sin, even though we've been doing it for a very long time, does help us to see we need to change. God, grant us the grace to do so in Jesus. I pray this in his name. Amen. This morning we're going to talk about being a gracious church, a gracious church. And that may sound kind of vague, and we'll try to talk about that more. I I wanted to um, just ask you, where's the power in your church? Where's the power in your church? And some of you would give, if I asked you that question, if somebody asked you, you'd give a really good spiritual answer. You'd say, well, the power's in the Word of God. Or you'd say in the Holy Spirit. You'd say that God is doing His work in the church. And those would be very good answers. But when I talk about the power of the church, and I'd say, no, no, no. How is your church run? How is your church run? And those of you who have been around for a long time, you'd say, well, you know, Pear Valley Church is a non-denominational Bible church, and they believe in the Bible, and they believe that the Bible teaches that it's elders that run the church, and collectively they are the, the elder board runs the church. But what if somebody pushed you one step further? You say, yeah, I understand. I've read the bylaws. I've looked at all that other stuff. How is the church really run? Who are the power brokers of the church? How do they make decisions? And and who gets what they want to get? How does all that work? It's an interesting question, and it, it, it really reflects on what a church is all about. This morning, I, I want to tell you that what we believe that Christ is calling us to is that we would be a gracious church, that Jesus is calling us to be a gracious church that relates with people as Jesus did and carries out the business of his church in a way that follows the pattern of Christ. That's what we believe this is. And let's take a look at that now. I want to remind you that Jesus, when he was on the face of this earth, he said, he said to his disciples, I will build my church. We could do a long message on those words right there, right? Jesus said, Jesus said that he was the one who came up with this idea, if you want to call it that. He was the one who began. He was the first. I will build my church. Jesus said, I, he didn't say you would build my church. He didn't say, I'm going to have you build my church. He says, I will build my church. And we realize that him building his church means that it's happening right now, that he's doing his work. Jesus said, I will build my church. And he says, he didn't say, I will build your church. He said, I will build my church. Very important words to think about as we think about what we are to be. 
The second uh, passage that I think about is in Ephesians chapter 2. In Ephesians chapter 2, it refers to Jesus in verse 20 as what? The chief cornerstone. The chief cornerstone. And as you picture what it is, what it is that Jesus is building, he's building his church, and he is the chief cornerstone. He is the one that all others are connected to. In fact, all others gain their stability, their strength, their purpose, their guidance from the chief cornerstone. And so this morning, as we look at his church, and as we ask for the future, what he would have us to be, and we talk about gracious church, where would we get this idea? Well, we'd get it from Jesus, that he would be the model, that he would be the one that we would look to in his church about the way we do business, about how we relate to one another. If we are to be a gracious church, we are to follow the one who is gracious. So this morning, as we look to Jesus, we're going to pick out some things about Jesus' ministry and his life that will really direct us as we think about how we do business here at church, how we respond to one another how we relate to one another. The first thing I want to point out, and it's by way of survey, it's not, we're not going to look at these passages, but I'm, I'm shocked and a little bit confused when I look at the ministry of Jesus when he was here on the face of this earth. One of the things he did more than anything was pray, was pray. And it's hard for me to get in my mind why he was praying. When you have all power in and of yourself, when you are God come in the flesh, when you can do miracles, why was he praying? Why was he looking to the Father? And yet, in his pattern of what he was, he was constantly in prayer. He, he was retreating. He was, he was walking away from the masses to be with the Father in prayer. And he was in constant communication. And, and even in Philippians, it talks about his own humility, that he humbled himself, that he humbled himself. And so for us to model after Christ, it would be for us to in humble submission to be prayerful, to be prayerful. Even as we sang, I need thee every hour, it's the idea that we would be going to him and in communication to him. That we would not be doing church without Him. That we would not be looking to other sources and other ideas. We would be looking to Him. This is Jesus' model. He was prayerful and humble all the time. If we are to follow after Christ and be a gracious church, this is what we'll do. We'll handle everything with prayer. We won't move ahead. We won't make decisions. We won't interact with people without being prayerful about them. That's the first thing. The second thing, you could turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Very important passage. In fact, one that I hope will resonate in us from the days to come. That we will continue to go back to this over and over again as we seek to be the gracious church that we believe Christ is calling us to be. A little, little side note here. 
Um, Jesus dealt with people in a certain way, right? He dealt with people in a certain way. In fact, there's uh, some books, I, I think of one in particular, it's an older book by G. Campbell Morgan called The Great Physician. And it's a beautiful book, simple book, three, four page chapters, talking about how Jesus dealt with individuals and really how he dealt differently with every other individual. Like it's not that he dealt the same way. He was with kindness and cared for them and how he related to them. And this morning, as we look at uh, how Jesus uh, did his ministry and really used that as a pattern for us, I want to tell you this isn't talking about those outside the church, the religious leaders. That would be an exciting sermon series as well, would it not? To talk about, so how did Jesus deal with the unbelieving religious leaders of his day, you know? Uh, that's a time where, you know, it gets exciting because we can picture the temple and how he went over there and he, he reordered a few things or disordered a few things, whichever the case may be. So we look back to Jesus, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. So Paul, he writes to the, the church at Corinth. He, he says some things that uh, was very admonishing. He says, you're wrong in a lot of areas. He has this relationship with this church at Corinth. Some in Corinth did not believe, did not believe that Paul had the right to say the things he did. So Paul writes 2 Corinthians as part of his desire to show Hey, I'm an apostle. I'm an apostle. And being an apostle is not my own message that I share, but it's one that comes from Christ and I've been sent by him. And so he's talking about his relationship with them. And we get these words at the beginning of chapter 10. Verse 1. I, Paul, myself entreat you by the meekness and the gentleness of Christ. I who am humble when face to face with you, but bold toward you while I'm away. I beg of you that when I am present, I may not have to show boldness with such confidence as I count on showing against some who suspect us walking according to the flesh. Verse 3, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. Let's talk about that for a minute. So so Paul's saying... Um, He's saying to them, I, I come to you on the basis of Christ and who he is. That's who I'm, I'm coming to you as because I've been sent. I, I'm giving you a message. Sometimes when I'm face to face, I'm, I'm easy on you because there's a relationship there. But you've heard these last words that I've given to you as being rough, but they, you, they weren't meant to. And some of you are saying that I'm doing this because I'm doing it in my own flesh. But get this verse 3, and then we'll go back to verse 1. He says this, For though we walk in the flesh, though we're people, we walk in the flesh. I know that that's a... a, a Sometimes we use as an excuse when we sin, we just go, I'm just human. I'm just human. I'm in the flesh. And we look at other people when we see, when we feel intimidated or we feel like they're being holy and stuff like that. And we say, you're just a man. These are all things that are true. The Apostle Paul said so himself. Verse 3, for though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. How many of you uh, have a military background? You've been in the military or military family. Um, they do things a certain way in the military, don't they? 
It, in fact, each branch of the military even has their own flavor of the way they do things. And if you are in the talking to someone from the wrong branch and you can argue about which way is best and so on and so forth. Um, I'm not going to say anything about ships or what, what are you trying to correct me on? Ships or boats or anything? Yeah. Boats. Okay. Yeah. Submarines, boats. I don't understand any of those things. I'm a land lover. I'm sorry. Um, but uh, you think about why, why is there a military? Why is there a sense of doing things a certain way? Well, they have an objective, right? In times of peace, they still do things a certain way. Why? Because they're preparing for times of war. They're preparing for times of war. Why are they preparing for times of war? Because they come. Because they come. And as you uh, prepare for war, there's certain strategies that you have to obtain an objective, right? You don't just say, hey, just do whatever you think. You know, can you imagine how that would work when you're trying to protect a people or take a hill or any of those other things? You say, hey, just do your best. Just go, go for it. Let's just go for it. That would be chaos. And so there's a certain way there's people in charge, there's strategies that are used, there's things you must do in this order to get things done. That's waging war, it's waging war. But listen to that last, that verse 3 that I just read. He says, we're not, we're not doing this in the flesh, this isn't. But we are waging war, we are not waging war according to the flesh. I want you to get this, I want you to get this, it's super important. We are waging war. He's describing the church. He's describing a, a church in Corinth. And he describes what they are doing as waging war. Do you get that? He doesn't say, he, he doesn't say we are not doing summer vacation according to the flesh. Do you get that? We're not going on vacation according to the flesh. We're not hanging out. We're not wasting time. We're not just existing. He says we're not waging war. And so you've got to get this picture. Please get this picture. What the church is doing is waging war. Is waging war. Both protecting and taking ground. Okay? That's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. But, and this is the big but, okay? We are not doing it like anybody else is doing it. And I'm not saying that our church is unique. All churches are called to wage war in a different way. A different way. He gives us that different way in verse 1. He says, I, Paul, myself entreat you by the meekness and the gentleness of Christ. The meekness and the gentleness of Christ. Do you get that? What we're doing is waging war. And the methods that we use are that of Christ. And those methods that Christ have are meekness and gentleness. The idea there being a humble, patient. It's the way we go about it. It's relationship with one another. How do we go about it? Let me ask you a question, those of you who in military. Um, it, is there a sense of patience with the military? Humility, kindness, gentleness. If you don't feel like it, you can just do it tomorrow. <laughs> There's a sense of order, right? 
And there's a sense of you do it now. I, I didn't say please. I didn't say thank you. I just said do it. And you need to be able to do it. That's the way to wage war. In fact, that's the way to do anything, right? There's a sense of, of, of the idea of using few words and people responding to this. That's the best way to do it. That's the best way to do it. It's just not Jesus' way of doing it. He has a meekness and a gentleness, a, a humility, a kindness, a patience. And that's what Paul was coming on the basis to them as a church. You know why? Because they were waging war, but they weren't waging war like everybody else was doing it. What are some of those other ways? And let's just connect those to the church, okay? There's different ways to do church. I think about the military way. We could do this as a military thing. We could uh, have an authority structure that came down and we would meet each other in the hallway and we'd look and check if your badge was bigger than my badge and we'd decide who's in charge between us. And those of you who hadn't been here long or didn't know what you were doing, you would be kind of carrying out all the orders of those who are higher than you. We could do that that way. But that's not the way the church is set up. That's not the meekness. That's not not how Christ would have his church to be. There's another model. It's a business model. Uh, You know business, right? You know, there's a CEO. There's a guy who kind of runs everything. There's board members. I talked to a a man who was on a board of a, a fairly large company and he described to me how it worked. And he says, yeah, we do board meetings ever so often and I get the date and time and the limo comes by my house and picks me up to go to the board meeting. And he was talking about how silly that was. And what if the church was like that? What if the church was like that? We have an elder meeting a couple of weeks on a Monday night and uh, the limo would pull up to uh, my estate and uh, I'd hop in. My kids would want to see inside. Hey, what's it look like inside? You know, it'd be fun, right? It'd be exciting. But that's not how the church is. That's not how the church is. You know, you think about CEOs and board members and, and methods uh, of that. There's no, there's no sense of like authority structure that reflects how Christ would have in his church. You know, I am the senior pastor, you know. It's a pretty big badge, especially if you're the youth pastor. <sighs> you know, or maybe, maybe you bump into someone, I am an elder of Bear Valley Church. Top that. Top that. I am the Awana commander. That's for you, Lenny. They didn't say commander-in-chief, which would have been kind of cool. But uh, those badges, right? Those badges. You know, there's a certain sense of which you go, okay, so, um, you know, who gets whatever they want and can do whatever they want in the church? How do we get business done? Who's, who's powerful in the church? What is it? it? It's not your badge. It's not the way the church is run. There's a... Me- there's a meekness and a gentleness that comes from Christ. There's other ways that things happen in the church, and you all know about this. Some of you are going to play dumb initially, but I'll bring you along. It's the spoiled brat approach in the church. Do you know what that is? Some of you are blocking it out of your mind, okay? 
So a few years ago, I was in uh, Albertsons. I was standing in line, and uh, there was this woman there with her uh, young child, one, two, three, somewhere around there. And uh, and so they they were in the cart, and the the you, you know you know how that works, right? You all know how kids are out shopping with their mom, and their clock inside of them goes off, and they say, "I'm done shopping. I'm done shopping." And they say, "Mom, let's go." And mom says, we're not done shopping yet. But they're saying, my clock says we're done shopping. I'm done shopping. And so this young child there in line, they're maybe the second or third person back. And she's standing there and the, the child flips out. Child flips out and he starts throwing a ta- tantrum. And why is he th- throwing a tantrum? He's throwing a tantrum thinking that he can twist mom's arm to get his way. Right? So he's flipping out in, in line there. And mom, beautiful mom, she, she grabs a magazine and starts looking through it, just paging through it as the kid's flipping out. And as, as she gets up to line, the kid is just lighting up the whole place. Okay? He's, everyone's, everyone's focused on this. You know, there's, there's everyone in the whole store is watching this mom. And she calmly, she, she's probably dying inside. You, you know how this is, mom. She's just dying inside. But she calmly, she gets her groceries. She pays for them. And, and as she, as she walks out, everyone just starts clapping, just going, you go get him, mom. You go get him. Why? Because she didn't buckle to the spoiled brat approach. And you think about that. Is that how the church runs too? The spoiled brat approach? It's not military. It's not a CEO. But there's some who would say, you know what? If I don't get what I want, I'm leaving. Is that how Jesus wanted his church to be run? If I don't get what I want, I'm going to tell everyone that I'm mad. There's another approach. Sometimes happens in the church. It's the I am smarter than you approach. I'm smarter than you approach. We walk into church and we bring all the the baggage of whatever we've done prior to coming into church. We say, I'm smart. Just ask me. You know, um, I I developed, I, I created... I figured out the B-52, or maybe it was the B-2, or the F-35, or the F-150, or one of those Fs. Maybe we come in and we say, do you know who I am? I have a master's degree, you know, or a doctorate, or a, or a PhD, or I have ADD, or something like that. <laughs> I'm so smart, you need to listen to me. And so I throw that down. I throw down credentials down. I say, I, I know stuff. You need to listen to me. I need to get my way. I have some great ideas that you haven't heard of yet. And I'm so smart you should listen. Was that the way Jesus wanted his... In fact, uh, you think about that. And Jesus had that uh, people approach him with that all the time, right? Uh, Jesus, you, you, you're not doing that the right way. Let me show you how that should be done. She said, I got it, okay? I got it. This is my method. Gentleness, meekness, patience, kindness. I love people. Others have ideas of seniority. You know, you know how long I've been at this church? You know how long I've been here? And that's why I know what's best for the church. Others think, you know, uh, you know how old I am. Been around the block a few times. This isn't my first rodeo. 
You know, I, I, I've been doing this. I know everything about all these things because I've lived it. Also, some people have the idea that the new client is always the best. You know what that is? They start a business. There's people who are older clients that they've been there for a very long time and they take them for granted and they set them aside. They'll just continue to pay their bills. They're too lazy to switch companies, right? The one that's most important is the new client. You know, who's out there? What, what do you want me to do? I'll, I'll change the church so that you can be, you know, I'm only concerned about you. Is that the way Jesus wanted his church to be run? Others take the copying approach to church. They ask the question, what's some other church doing? And we're just going to copy it. So, so what's Rick's church doing? Or John's church? Or James church? Or Jeff's church? What are they doing? And maybe we should just do that here. And that's how Jesus wants his church to be run. The copying approach? There are others. I'll just end with this one. Maybe it's the you just got to be yourself church. <laughs> you just got to be yourself. The people say, you know, um, we're just going to be, be a church, but we're just going to be ourselves. Be ourselves. We don't want to change or grow. We just need to be ourselves. Uh, most of you know that uh, I'm a little league coach or cheerleader or whatever they call that. And so I'm with young boys, young boys, and we're playing, playing Little League. And it's interesting, you know, you can even be in third or fourth grade. And these boys will look at you, look me straight in the eye and say, that's my style, coach. You know, they'll be up there at bat and they'll, they'll get up there and they'll look a certain way. They'll stand a certain way. And I go, well, why are you standing? It's my style, coach. It's my batting style. And and I haven't told any of this that I you know I guard their self esteem and try to protect their little but I, but I think I step back and I say you strike out every time you're at bat okay maybe your style needs to go right maybe maybe we should change a few things because what you're doing isn't working okay and and as as I think about his church I think about his church sometimes. We're guarding and protecting our style, who we are. We're saying, hey, just, this is just the way I am. And we forget to see it as this is what Jesus wants. You know, bring your dog to church day or something crazy like that. Rick, Rick, you want to shut that window right there? Nice. Jimmy, would you get your dog, please? That's awesome. <laughs> Exciting day at church. I think there's a song like that. Oh, that's the squirrel came to church. I'm sorry. Whew. That was great. That was awesome. So, so, so this is a deal. This is a deal. Jesus, Jesus dealt with people in a certain way. And it, it wasn't, you know, you think about who he was and, and he could have bossed us all around, right? He could have walked into a place and he said, I'm the Messiah. Do this, do this, do this. Uh, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. Start thinking like I think or you're out, you know. That's how he could have come. And yet 
the Savior of the world, the one who loved us, God come in the flesh, he came in gentleness and meekness and patience. And he calls us to do the same. I want to share with you um, just a few brief pictures of how he dealt with people. And I want to tell you that his relationship with people was not based on whether they could accomplish anything. It wasn't based upon them already agreeing with him. It wasn't even based upon the fact that they could accomplish what he was calling them to. It was based upon his loving, gracious relationship with them. That he gave to them and listened to them and gave to them and listened to them. And that's what established this gracious relationship. I think of Matthew 19, and we've talked about this a bit in the past few weeks. But Matthew 19, he talks about children. In verse 13, it says, Then children were brought to him that he might lay his hands on them and pray. The disciples rebuked the people. Rebuked the people. But Jesus said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and went away. Let me ask you a question. So we're going to be a business here. We're going to be a business. We're going to be a bank. Or we're going to be bigger than that. We're going to be a brokerage house or a high dollar real estate place in L.A. And so we get this big fancy office fancy office and we all come to work we're all dressed up suit tie you know we got the we're we're looking like we're gonna really make it happen and then we get in our own little cubicles with our fancy phones and our conference room and then you bring 202 year olds in you know just bring them in you know it'd be easier to deal with 200 dogs like that than 202 year olds right They'd be picking up the phones and going, doom, doom, doom. This sounds pretty cool, you know. Uh, they would be walking around and go, hey, let's play like this. We're, we know how to do computers. And, and the girls would be sitting there like this. And the boys would be sitting there like this. And, and they, would be, they would be playing tag, right, cubicles. That's awesome for hide-and-go-seek, right? They'd be playing around. And, and we, some of us, some of you are twitching already. You're growing a rash and stuff like that. And you're, you're saying, how can you get anything done like this? How can you get anything done like this? This is a terrible way to run a business. You know what? It is a terrible way to run a business. But Jesus wasn't concerned about running a business. He... He had these children with moms pushing them forward and bringing them in. And, and the disciples go, get the kid out of here. Get him out of here. Jesus is important. We got business to do here. And Jesus go, don't, don't do that. Because I, I love the kids when they come near me. I bring them near me. So it's gentleness and meekness, isn't it? it's he wanted a relationship. He wanted a relationship with those kids. He wanted a relationship with those moms. He wanted to show the disciples what a relationship was. You see, that was his picture. He was being gracious before he had displayed the grace of the cross. Skip over to John chapter 4. It's the story of the woman at the well. In verse 16, um, Jesus begins his interaction with her 
And he says, it says, Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husband. For you have five husbands. Wow. And the one you are now with is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said to Him, I know that Messiah is coming, He who is called Christ. When He comes, He will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am He. So you got this dirty woman, right? Dirty woman. Been with all kinds of men. Made all kinds of broken promises. Have done all kinds of things. The disciples are, you know, they, they would be appalled at the mere picture if they were bothered that kids would come to him. The idea of being with this dirty woman would have been even worse. But Jesus speaks with her. And he speaks with her and, and talks with her about worship. And he says, uh, Father, seeking worshipers like you to worship him, to worship him. And so what does he offer this woman? Not just worship, but what does he say? She says, I know about the Messiah that's to come. He says, I'm he. I'm he. Come to me. I'm the, I'm the Messiah. I, I'm the one you need. You've had all these men. You, you need me, the Messiah. You need the, the Messiah. You see, some of us get the picture in the church that um, we be kind to those who are doing what's right and unkind to those who aren't doing what's right. There's a sense in which, you know, you have to meet this level and then we'll be kind to you. But what's the picture of Jesus? Well, what did he do? The woman who was dirty, he didn't say, yeah, um, it doesn't matter. If, if, it doesn't matter that you're kind of covering up that you got all these husbands, you got all this junk behind you. In fact, he revealed it, right? He opened it. He confronted her on it, if you will. But in his confrontation, it was not a sense of, so get out of here. You're dirty and ugly. He said, no. He says, come, come. The Messiah, I, I am the one you need. Come, come. Even in his confrontation, he was gracious and kind, showing the meekness and patience that comes from Jesus. Well, this morning, um, maybe this message is kind of like, yeah, so what do we do with that? It's Father's Day. You, maybe you walk away and you say, you know what? Um, I'm not kind in my home. I'm not patient and humble. I'm not displaying what Christ displayed. I, I got a CEO model. I'm a military model. I flip out and 
uh, I got the spoiled brat thing going on. How do we make this happen in our church? How do we become the gracious church that Christ wants us to be? Well, the first thing I'd tell you is start at home. Start at home. I think it's sometimes hard for us to understand this, but it's super important for us to realize that when we are ungracious at church, when we are unkind and impatient, if we say words and push our way in so that we would get our way, if we do that here, uh, I'll just tell you, I know what's going on at home. You're doing the same thing. You're doing the same thing. It starts at home and flows out from there. That we are called to be people that are gracious in our homes. Men, be gracious with your wife. Be kind to her, patient, humble, gentle. With your kids, too. You know why they're like that? Because they're just like you. Sinners. And, and and the way they see Jesus is not by you pointing to a passage in the Bible, but as that passage is pointed to in your own life and as you reflect the gentleness and the kindness of Christ. Start at home. Second thing I'd tell you is have a me first attitude. A me first attitude. I think it's easy and, and most of the time we just respond. We just respond. We're at church. We're at Kmart. We're at uh, work. We're at our home. And someone comes to us and they're not gracious. They're not kind. They're not humble. They're not patient. And they blast us. And so we come out of church and we go, well, gentleness, kindness, meekness of Christ. I, I know that's what I'm supposed to be. But they didn't do it first. And so now it's time to just respond in like kind. You know, I didn't bring the fight, but that's the way it is. That's the way this battle is going to be won. Fire back, fire back. Don't, don't. If you look at the interactions with Christ, he was always in me first. I will be meek and kind and gentle and patient, humble. Christ was that. He, was, he brought that to the conversation. That's what he taught in relationship. And if we are to do this, you say, well, it just seems impossible. It is impossible apart from Christ. It is impossible apart from Christ. But Christ needs to do a work in us first, and then that will be able to respond, not in like kind, but in the way Christ wants us to. And then lastly, how will this how will we become a gracious church? This is probably the most difficult one. Is that when we see those other methods happening in our church of the CEO model, of the military model, of the spoiled brat model, or the consumerism or any of those when we see those things to careful the way I say this, I want you to understand to confront them in the gentleness and meekness of Christ. Okay? It's super important for us to get that... Let me give you an example. So, um, I, I, I'm, in, I'm with the, that youth pastor guy, and we're, we're in a meeting, and I said, 
Brandon, you're stupid. You did something wrong. Don't ever do it that way again. And somebody sees me do that and they go, uh, they pull me aside and they say, hey, Kevin, you're an idiot. Don't you know what a jerk you're being right now? I mean, you preach that message and, and you didn't even display one sliver of a grain of anything of gentleness and meekness, you idiot. You get that? They make that extreme enough? That sometimes in our confrontations where we see someone being unkind and not displaying and doing business in a different way, we go to them in that same wrong attitude and we treat them in a way that isn't in the gentleness and meekness of Christ either. Do you see that? And so what should happen? This is what should happen. It should start at home. We need to work on it. Obviously, this is a work of Christ. And it should spill over to the church. And as it spills over, it'll happen as we interact, as, we're, uh, as we meet as the, the fellowship ministry, and as the adult ministry meets, as the elder board meets, as we have staff meeting, as we interact and we start p- planning for camp and the women's tea and, and uh, the Awana program, that we're, we're so treating one another, so treating one another in relationship, in relationship the meekness and gentleness of Christ, that it just impacts our whole church. And in the end, what is it? A gracious church that reflects the gospel, not some business or some military background. This is what...